Welcome to Expounded Universe, Season 2, Episode 5, Cock-a-coo-coo-coo-coo-coo-coo-coo-coo-coo-coo-coo-coo-coo-coo-coo-coo-coo-coo-coo-coo-coo-coo-coo-coo-coo-coo-coo-coo-coo-coo-coo-co
good. Thank you. <laughs> That's two episodes in a row now where I've I've gone into the solo from or the uh, what do you call that the breakdown part of the hook song? Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, it turns out that uh, these ships are all full of people who are alive but pray for death. Yeah. So we get that these are colony ships, but apparently the Empire had. Forced colony ships, which... Yeah, we gotta talk about that for, for I don't know, 20, 30 minutes, maybe yeah, more. Hold on, because, I mean, I understand that they're probably trying to evoke something like Australia in that it's like, oh, it's like penal colonists and people we didn't like or, you know, dissidents or whatever. We're just gonna send with some colony stuff, like shoot them out to some Space planet, Bonnie Bay, yeah. And they're gonna do that, except... For one very, very important detail, which is very dumb here. And very important to the pl- to their storyline, which is that they were sent out to the space equivalent of Botany Bay at sublight. They're, yeah. not, they're not going in hyperspace to wherever the heck it is they're going. They're supposed to be sent across the stars in, uh, asleep in huge hibernation chambers in vast colony ships that travel for hundreds and thousands of years to their destination. Yeah. Which is... Okay, I mean, oh, well, there's a lot to unpack here. Let's start from the beginning. How old does this author, does McIntyre, think the Empire is? Yeah, because, I mean, from us, we know, oh, the Empire's like 30 years old, maybe. Yes, it's about 30 years old. I mean, it's built on the bones of the Republic. It's, you know, one of the one of the chancellors became the Empire. So it could have been something that had been being done by the Republic, but that seems like no, out of character. The whole thing that she was saying was like, oh, this is the Empire. The Empire specifically did this. Yes. So the idea that the Empire is sending off ships that are going to fly through space for hundreds of years, and also that Leia knew about enough of them that there was a plan to go out and find them, it's kind of a far-reaching plan for a 30-year-old Empire to plan thousands of years in advance. Now, even if you're like, oh, but this happens before the prequels came out, so we weren't aware that the Empire was like that. Except in New Hope, we get Leia who's like, oh, there's a, you know, the Senate will hear about this and whatever. And then uh, Vader's like, nah, we, we got rid of the Senate and we're in charge now. And that was basically the birth of the Empire as we know it. Yes, yeah, when, when Vader dissolves the Senate, which means that, it, according to what she knows, the Empire is probably be somewhere between 50 and about 15 years old. Yeah. Uh, according, just based on what we learned from the, the books, or no, sorry, the books, the, the original trilogy, which is all that was out when this, when this book was written. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm not against the idea of the Emperor doing things thousands of years in advance. I mean, the Emperor, according to these expanded universe books, was really, really busy. <laughs> like, like literally spent all of his time flying from secret Sith guy he knew to other secret Sith guy he knew, building crazy super weapons. Well, just, he just built everywhere. Tons of super weapons. He had contingency plans for his contingency plans. Yeah, everything was built on cloning tanks and and secret bases be- in a in a balance point between a thousand black holes where a third Death Star was being constructed. I've got a plan where if I ever get deposed, then the Empire will crumble. Like, yeah, okay, oh, yeah, that great. was yeah Operation Cinder. Uh, or the one where he had a big asteroid that was hollowed out and full of Gamorreans that were being mind-trained to think they were stormtroopers. Yeah. I like, mean, he was just really, really busy. So He was just real busy throwing as much spaghetti against the wall as he could possibly manage to see what stuck. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny when you think about how long it turned out that the Emperor was actually in power, which is about 30 years, maybe 36 years that he had in power before he got taken out. Yeah. He got, he got a tremendous amount of crazy, evil, secret things done. <laughs> now... Not only is this sort of weird from a, man, that's 
real ambitious to say, yeah, I think this empire will last for like a thousand years such that we can send a colony ship off at sublight speed to the nearest uninhabited planet and it's going at like near light speed. Like, yeah. let's at least give it that. Well, he, let's also assume that the galaxy of Star Wars is way more crowded than our own galaxy. Oh, yeah. I already assumed that. I assume yeah. that basically any given star has habitable planets. Like four habitable planets. Yeah. Yeah. So even given all of that, it's still wasteful just on the sense of you could put this at, you know, hyperspeed, send them over there, drop them off, get your ship back, rather than be like, oh, we built an entire colony ship and... Uh, it's fine. We're just going to shit it out into space and not worry about it. No, the numbers don't add up at all. So let, let's think about this. This ship keeps everyone in, like, cryostasis, right? So you need, like, literally hundreds of thousands of cryotubes to freeze all these people. And you need a ship that will be strong enough to last thousands of years while it flies them from wherever to wherever, right? Yeah. That's an insane amount of money to be spending on, on you know, basically just keeping the power turned on on these, on these ships. And also, only for one use. Where if you use them with hyperdrive, you could load in all the people without putting them to sleep, fly them where they were going in 15 minutes, fly back and get another load of suckers, and fly them back out there again. You get multiple uses, you get less power expenditure, and we've never seen any indication that that hyperspace puts any wear and tear on ships. No, I mean, it's just dumb. It's, it is real bad, because either the plan was oh, well, we're doing this because we don't care if they die. But I'm like, if you just want them to die, kill it them. costs you nothing to kill them. You're the Empire. Who cares? The Emperor wiped... The, the funny thing about the Death Star being like, oh, the Death Star, it it could blow up a whole planet. By the time you get through, like, five of the Expanded Universe novels, you realize that the only difference between the Death Star and every other weapon the Empire builds is that the Death Star doesn't leave behind a dead planet. Yeah, it's just that... The Death Star blows it up rather than just killing everything on it. Yeah, there's really not that much of a difference between what happened to to the Death Star or to Alderaan versus what happened to virtually every other planet they went after, where they just melted the surface or turned every organic thing on the planet into a star destroyer or uh, turned everyone into dust ghosts. Or in this case, because we find out about the Ferrari here, uh, or the planet Ferrari, it basically uses a biological weapon to scour the surface clean of life. Yeah, they just dropped some bioagent that killed everything on the planet yeah so okay we actually here's the other funny thing how long have these people been frozen in in their their cryostasis flight because what we're going to find out leia eventually boards the ship to figure out who the heck these people were and they're the ferrario they're they're hethrier's people yeah so Uh, the the ferrario are hanging out in this thing which means that ferrari had to have been destroyed during the reign of the emperor during the reign of the emperor Mm -hmm. probably i'm gonna say like maybe 10 to 15 years ago because hethrier is around and and, so what we're going to establish pretty soon here is that hethrier is important because he's been here hethrier stopped by on this is where the trail led and then it vanished off somewhere else Uh hethrier has been here which means it's important to him he's probably from this colony ship so it can't have been that long but Half the ships are failing, and most of the Ferrario aboard them are dead already because their cryostasis tubes have run out of power. So that means that these ships were sent out on a hundred-year journey with, like, one dead AA battery from a 99-cent store to power the whole thing. Oh, yeah. Considering that at least a hundred years, it would be, like, the low end of how long this was going to take, and it's been maybe 20, and it's like, nope, everything's failed. Like, what? 
What was the point of this? If you were going to kill them, just put them in an empty ship and kick that thing out to space. This or is so much money. just murder them. Use a yeah. blaster. Fuck just, it. Just murder them with stormtroopers. What is... Why did we go to through all this rigmarole? Yeah. It's a very stupid, dumb thing that I realize that, you know, Vonda is just doing it because it's like, oh, this lets me have a... It's a hard sci-fi moment. Yeah. It's it's one of those moments where you're like, oh, yeah, it's sublight speed. There's cryo nonsense and instead of getting into the space fantasy of star wars it's hey guys i want to get into some real actual sci-fi for a minute basically this is a setup for a horror movie oh a colony ship and something has gone wrong chris pratt is gonna wake up what's her face and then the two of them are gonna fall in love on a boring spaceship and everyone's gonna hate the movie yeah and then they're gonna get found by sam neill and he's gonna be like ah we don't need eyes where we're going yeah, it's just about, it's every colony ship horror movie joke. It's all of them. All of them, except that the other movie wasn't even supposed to be a horror movie. Yeah, no, it wasn't. It was supposed to be like a love story where the guy consigned some lady to death yeah. alone on a boring spaceship because he was accidentally woken up. Yep. So, what was that movie called? Uh, I don't know. Uh, Terrible? Uh, poop Cruise 5. <laughs> ah, the Poop Cruise. Yeah. So, anyway, none of this has actually happened yet. They find the ship, and we, we spend some time realizing it's a colony ship, and Chewbacca wakes up. Oh, and by the way, the whole time this is happening, Leia is just reinforcing that she doesn't like her traveling companions at all. No, like R2 comes in. She's like, I'm still not talking to you. Man, nah, I hate you, R2. And then Chewbacca wakes up, and I guess he like looks at some sensors in the room he's in because he's like, oh, my God, colony ships full of slaves. I hate this. And I was a slave. We have to stop this. Yeah, and Leia comes running in, and she's like, you're not even supposed to be awake. God, oh my God, you got out of your collar again. Hold on. Let me get this plastic thing around your head so you don't bite at your stitches. Wear the diaper. Wear it. Wear the diaper. Uh, oh, I'm going to put you in your thunder vest so you don't get scared. <laughs> so, But uh, eventually, the two neurons that Leia has that are not dedicated to her own kids or being racist rub together, and she remembers that, that Chewbacca was, in fact, an Imperial slave himself, and that this is probably pretty troubling to him. Yeah, so she's briefly, very briefly nice to him. Blah. Yeah. Eventually, the two of them, or the three of them, because R2's there too, realize that there's nearly two dozen colony ships out here just sort of lazily floating around each other. Yeah, just like a, a weird colony ship graveyard. And she heads out to investigate. Yay. Meanwhile. Meanwhilst. <laughs> means twilst. Homestead <laughs> <laughs> of meanwhilst. Uh, Zaveri is leading our gang on Cersei Station down a path between the various domes of Cersei. Oh, good. She's leading them to the place that we discussed in the last chapter, a place where something is happening that they will want to see, but that she can't tell them about because they will not believe it if she does. Uh, I hate that trope so much. The you have to see this, I can't explain it trope is the worst. <laughs> because it's, no, you can. Like, is this Lovecraftian horror where you're like, Oh no, my brain literally cannot describe what is happening right now. What I like, sure. what, what I like here is that they're they're described as basically washing, walking through a forest of tall or short bushes. Yep, and uh, they're just between two of the domes. Making yeah, they're like, between two ferns right now. Yeah, they're, yeah. And they're, Zach Galifianakis <laughs> is asking them things. <laughs> they're between two of the red ferns, and it's where they grow. <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> and they're going to have to kill their dog. <laughs> this dog like, is dead. Like, Chewbacca shows up, and he's like, Harn! And then well, they kill him. There's only, like, two stories that young boys get to read about. It. There's, <laughs> there's, you have to kill your own dog, or you get stuck outside of civilization and have to learn to use an axe. Yeah. And those are the only two things. It's, it's learn to grow up, young child. Either you will become a man because you are on your own, or you will become a man by killing that which you love. And it's always a dog. It's always a dog, because here's, that's the only thing a kid loves. Here's a wonderful dog, and it loves you. Oh, great, I like this dog. Kill the dog. You have to kill the dog, though. Oh, I'm not going to read this book anymore. Old Yeller is a terrible book. I'm going to read Where the Red Fern Grows. No! Oh, any book with a color in it. (laughs) So, anyway, uh, they're walking their way between two of the domes. And in my notes, I have it like, wait, how are they walking between the domes? I thought this place was all like... You know, like rad blasted with extreme '90s flavor. Like, yeah, they can't they can't go out there. Well, they're in the Dorito bushes right now, so <laughs> they're safe in the the bushes of Taco Extreme flavored Dorito. Uh, yeah, <laughs> right now they're getting lightly dusted in Cool Ranch. <laughs> so many ohms of Cool Ranch. <laughs> the Geiger counter and also the flavor counters are off the scale. <laughs> the flavor counter has exploded. Anyway, Han's not too concerned with all the radiation he is clearly soaking up because he is. Kind of like summer camp style, running ahead of the others so he can talk to Zaveri again. Yeah, I mean, I I get that they're basically going for Han retreats back to being like a schoolboy when around Zaveri, and it's like, oh, I want to talk to her, but I don't know what to say. Maybe I should pull her pigtails. Like that's the level Han is at right. Yeah, now. that's pretty much where his mindset is because he goes running up to her and he's like, oh, uh, Zaveri, I used to trust her with my life. Also, parentheses, I used to trust her with my heart. <laughs> and I was like, oh, is that a direct quote? Why don't we just, let's, this book's for grown-ups, let's go ahead. They used to fuck. <laughs> I used to trust Zaveri with my dick. <laughs> just say it. Just come on out. <laughs> so, but anyway, uh, he, he goes running up to say something to her, and he literally can't think of anything, so he'll eventually come up with something. But while he's running along, he wishes, and not for the first time, that Chewbacca was here. Boy, I sure wish I had my dog. I wish Chew- he likes Chewbacca. He doesn't. I think know. It- he actually- it's only Leia. It's just Leia who does that. Uh, <laughs> but you know what, though, Han? Why didn't you bring him? If you wanted Chewie here, I mean, I know she's mentioned briefly that it's because when they're together, they're very recognizable as Han Solo, oh. General of the Republic, and some Wookiee. Yeah, it's, oh man, there's a guy who looks sort of like Han Solo, and he's got a Wookiee. Well, that seals the deal. But still, I mean, you're on a total backwater planet. No one's going to care. Most of the people here aren't part of the New Republic or or even like human or humanoid enough to figure out what you are. Oh, yeah. When you're talking I'm just about- imagining that scene where it's like, Solo, we got Han Solo here. See, no one cares. I don't care. <laughs> and, oh, gosh, he's got a beard. I don't even think it's Solo. I think it's his evil cousin, Thrakon Sol Solo, <laughs> and his friend Wookiee. Yeah, no, it's a clone. It's Han Solo. It's, it's Han. Han. Han Solo. <laughs> uh, so, so uh, but, uh, just bring him. I mean, I, I understand the argument. If you bring him, because he doesn't want to be where he is. Chewbacca's stuck on a planet full of like weird werewolf people that don't speak Wookiee. And also, he's stuck with Leia, who he clearly does not like having to deal with. Yeah, he's like, I like the kids. I'll hang out with these kids, but oh my god, yeah. your wife is the worst, I, well, There's a brief moment where he's like, well, I have to leave Chewbacca there because who will protect the children? Oh, I don't know, Han. Hundreds of New Republic soldiers, you are heads of state. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, the children of a general and the ambassador to every planet. I don't know, maybe they should have 
a detail of protection. Yeah. Some guards. But apparently, no. The entire New Republic's like, nah, you got a Wookiee. Well, You're good. I feel like the reason they're doing that, again, it falls down to Leia, because Leia treats everywhere she goes as a fun vacation. To the point where Jaina thinks that she's been on vacation her entire life. Yeah. She's just like, oh, I love going everywhere and seeing the sandfish and playing with Winter and Mr. Chewbacca. And I have a great life because my mom never brings any guards or anything like an actual head of state would. And every time I want McDonald's, we get it. Yeah. And then she gets a small black coffee and I don't get anything. <laughs> McDonald's, McDonald's, McDonald's. <laughs> so anyway, uh, at a certain point, uh, 3PO confirms my, my er- earlier question about the radiation. And he's like, man, it's really radiation-y out here. Maybe we should go get some stuff for the ship because I feel like my brain is exploding from the radiation. But Luke has gotten a little weird. A little weird. A little weird. And he's like, no, 3PO, we're fine. You're as dumb as you always have been. <laughs> you big dumb idiot. Yeah. Well, Han finally gets to Zaveri, and he wants to talk to her, but he can't think of anything, so instead, he basically just sort of hoses his way through plot holes that were so unconsequential, inconsequential that we didn't even discuss them during the previous chapter. No. Because he's like, how did you recognize Luke? Because remember, Luke was holding himself under a holographic disguise that he was making out of the Force. Yeah. And her response is just like, oh, he let me see. Yeah. I was like, N- yeah, no shit. Yeah, boring. And then he goes, well, you got to be careful around that Luke. He's very powerful, but he never finished his training, which has led to many misadventures. Please enjoy our other fine expanded universe novels <laughs> available from Bantam Press. Yeah. I just it's led to many misadventures, such as and then just the book title and number after it, like the order number that you can get. Uh and then, uh, and, and she's like, yeah, I knew that already. Thanks thanks for telling me. And he's like, how did you know about Luke Skywalker? And she's how could like, you know that he didn't finish his training? We tried to keep that secret. And it's like, oh, uh, I think it's because it's day one of the lessons he teaches on Yavin 4 to anyone who stops by to, prote- to try and be a Jedi. Yeah. And I he think shows up and he's like, hey, I didn't finish my training and we're going to train you. Yeah, you guys are going to finish your training and you're going to get something I didn't get. Also, I know that, Han, because I'm a professional information broker. You see, what I do is... I gather information. That is my job and my life and my duty. A- anyway, this is a great scene to read if you've ever wondered what women are complaining about when they they say that they can't like be experts on the internet because men show up and just sort of explain what they're saying back to them. Huh. Because this is the entire scene. Because she's like trying to explain what she's been doing with her life and why she hasn't joined the New Republic and that she's going to retire soon. And Han interrupts her with, but you said 20 years ago, like yeah. six times. It's just constantly like, but, but back back then you said this, and it was like, but your last sentence you said you you needed money, but now you don't need money. Uh huh. I think I have trapped you. You say we should improve society somewhat, yet you live in society. Yeah, that is Han Solo throughout this entire conversation, and it's the goddamn worst. <laughs> Han, just shut up and let her talk. Yeah, just let her finish a sentence. She's like, okay, I don't need that much money anymore because I'm not bribing Imperial officers for protection anymore. Like, I don't need to use that money in my daily life because the Empire is gone. But you said, will you shut the fuck up? Please stop, Luke. Please just let me talk. Huh. I have, it's my, my story is actually fairly simple. I used to spend a lot of money on keeping friends and family alive under Imperial corruption. Then the New Republic took over. I don't need that much money to live on myself because I am just a, just a wee woman. Uh, please leave uh, of an indeterminate species. I might be a Ferrario. We don't know. Who could tell? Yeah. Uh, so, but but uh, he just won't let her get through it. No. Han is just just constantly interrupting, which is weird because I'm like, he's supposed to be 
super into her. Yeah. And yet he will not let her say anything. Well, it's because she opened by basically saying, I will not join the New Republic. I'm going to retire soon, at which point I might give you some information, but I won't join your little club. Yeah. And he's like, well, you have to, but it's but it's my club. Yeah. So that's that's what's going on there. Eventually, they reach the other dome they've been walking to the whole time. It's a big purple dome. Yay. Everything's purple. Uh, this is something I, I, I want to say here. I, I don't feel like I do this enough with this book. A lot of the writing in this book is actually pretty good. Like, the story is kind of dumb, and there's some digressions into some hard sci-fi that are unnecessary. Oh, yeah. But there's a bit here where they have to duck and walk under the dome because it's only like two feet off the ground. And 3PO points out that he cannot bend that way. Yeah. He's like, oh, hold on, guy. Oh, oh hold on, everyone. I can't bend that way. And, and they're all like, okay, 3PO. And they wait for him. Yeah. And it's a nice moment where they're all like, like, oh, right, we, I forgot. We brought our weird droid who can, like, sort of totter around but can't actually, you know, move, can't sit down or anything. <laughs> and they, like, they like fig- help him figure it out, and they wait for him, and no one yells at him. Which is weird because they've already yelled at him in this chapter. Yeah, I know. I just, I really like this one little moment where they're just like, oh, yeah, 3PO, you've got, uh, you've got wires instead of a midsection. Yeah, hang on just a moment. <laughs> we'll help you out, little dude. So, I like that. I just wanted to bring it up, because it's rare that, that I like things in these. Uh, okay, so now they find themselves at the lip of a massive crater. Uh, the crater is full of patchwork chunks of old lava rock. Uh, I don't think it's active. I think it's basically that this spot was an impact crater from a meteor at some point. Most likely. Yeah, so briefly heated to super hot and then cooled. Uh, and then, basically, down in the very middle of the of the massive crater... There is a bunch of bright golden buildings covered in, in blazing gold calligraphy. I think it's, it's like a Trump casino or something. Yeah. yeah. Down there in big block letters, it says Waru. <laughs> <laughs> and don't worry, he's a very stable genius. Very, he went to the best schools, that Waru. Waru has the best words. Wait, can we talk? Can we make that comparison movie? I mean, we haven't seen Waru in these books yet, and we won't tell the next chapter. Well, but... from what I understand, he's a weird, gross monster. Yeah, he's and... a big blob of flesh and ooze covered in gold so yeah obviously it's the same yeah it's he's, basically the same he's thing. just space trump and this is his space trump casino yeah <laughs> that's great good i'm really glad to think that that's what's going to be happening all right well um so they they see a bunch of like pilgrims and supplicants and sycophants well and... they got a bunch of people that are going into this building but yeah. not many people are coming out yes more people are going in than out i mean that's supposed to sound creepy but really it's just because service is about to start it's not ending yeah, I think if you were to wait around until service was ending, everyone would be leaving. Yeah, it's just when they showed up, like, oh man, there's all these people going in that building, but no one comes out. And you're like, yeah, well, oh, yeah, they're look, going there for a purpose. Oh, look, a movie starts in five minutes. I wonder, I wonder, wonder oh, what man, is happening. No one's coming out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're probably killed in there. <laughs> yeah, I, I went to an opera house, and when I went there, all these people were going in, but no one came out. Yeah, yeah, it's an opera was starting. It's fine. Just then later, show. I left, and no one was coming in. <laughs> It must have been haunted. My God. Uh, so this is finally where Luke more or less breaks on how fucking weird he's being. Yeah, well, he finally gets to a point where he's noticeably weird. Because to this point, he was maybe irritable or just kind of a dumbass. Well, I don't know. That part where he's in a bathrobe with his underwear exposed, whipping a lightsaber around like that one scene in Boogie Nights. That was a little creepy. Oh, man. Now I want <laughs> that that scene, but with Luke Skywalker. <laughs> Just walking around, lightsaber in hand, just digitally replaced with Mark Hamill in an open bathrobe. Yeah, and then, <laughs> and then in the background, it's just C three PO lighting firecrackers. <laughs> just C three PO. 
<laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm fine with that. I'm down. <laughs> yep, 100% on board. So, okay, at, at this point, there's an unattributed quote. I have no idea who says this line of dialogue in the book. Uh, it just says, are you finally going to tell us what we're looking for? And then Zaveri answers. But no one asked her that. It's just asked in quotes by no one. Yeah. I like to think it was Dash Rendar. <laughs> I like to think it was just a ghost. <laughs> just some, some passing ghost. Some passing ghostling. Hey, any humans here want to fuck me to death? Also, are you going to tell me what we're doing here? All right, hey, bye. Hey, I, uh, I've been following you guys, waiting for someone to get their dick out. Just, you know, in, in case. Yeah, you know, that's what we do, us ghostlings. That's all we care about. <laughs> that DNV. <laughs> oh, man, where the D stands for death. And the V stands for Veth. <laughs> yes, Veth. <laughs> yep. You're Thor? <laughs> <laughs> well, it hurts. <laughs> All right. But still, Zaveri's like, no, I couldn't possibly tell you what's in there. You would not believe me if I told you. And you know what, Zaveri? At this point, they've walked hours across an open radiated field to get here. I feel like they're committed to the to the bit. Like, if even were- if they don't believe you, what are they going to do? Wait a minute. Hold on. You're telling me a weird gold ball full of goo is in there? Well, I'm leaving. Uh, yeah. Nope. Pass on that. Well, I'm going to spend another three hours walking back to my hotel room. <laughs> Some of us have standards, and one of my standards is I would rather walk six hours through radiation than maybe see a gold ball I don't believe in. Yeah. Great. <laughs> Just spill. I mean, I like to think I mean, maybe she thinks that if she tells them now, they'll become so intractably disbelieving that they'll just, even if they see the gold ball, they'll just work it into their life evidence that supports it in backwards. Like those fucking sad people that still believe in Pizzagate. Ah. Like that, she thinks that's what's going to happen. She's like, there's a big gross monster in there with gold scales. And they'll be like, never. That's impossible. Also, show me its long form birth certificate. Ah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so so they're they're going to head down, but first... Luke gets all weird and stares off into the distance and doesn't know what the fuck is going on. Yeah, and 3PO is even like, Luke, your body temperature is super low. I can tell with my scanner dinghy. And, and he's like, you have a boat that's a scanner? That's weird. I like that he has a scanner on his finger. Yeah, he's got a little scanner on the end of his finger that tells human body temperatures. So he's like, hey, uh, Luke, your your body temperature is super low, dude. And, which he says, dude, I don't know why 3PO... <laughs> I don't know why. 3PO, all of a sudden, the characterization right now is very strange. Yeah, he gets all surfer here. I don't know what's going on. He was like, dude, brah, your body temperature's super low. It'd be really cool if it wasn't. <laughs> huh? Dude? Uh, brah, we gotta get you all warmed up. You're never gonna be able to catch any crunchy waves. <laughs> I'm be- 3PO. <laughs> We're gonna be late to the surfing contest. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I can't hang ten because my body doesn't bend that way, brah. Oh, I need a special board for my special needs. It's R2. <laughs> I'm riding R2 on the waves. Beep boop, bro. <laughs> yeah, let's get them beepity boops. So, so uh, no, he just tells 3PO, or 3PO tells Luke that his body temperature is super low. And Luke, for some reason, is really good at just bullshitting his way out of these obvious truths coming from 3PO because he's just like, no, man, you've got purple paint on your sensor. It's which just, th- it's fucked up because you got paint on there. Which 3PO could respond by going, oh, that's weird because Han's body temperature is 98.6, you doubting little bastard. <laughs> you, <laughs> don't you, don't you, you correct me on- son of a bitch <laughs> human. Don't, don't you correct me on what my body is doing. <laughs> <laughs> you run an internal self-diagnostic, Luke. Oh, you can't? Oh, right, because I'm a droid and I can. <laughs> it's not the purple paint, you shit. Your uh. body temperature is 85 degrees. But instead, 3PO is filled with doubt and begins just, like, picking at the paint, like, oh, oh, no. Oh, oh goodness. Oh. Well, she could just, you know, look at My worldview. Oh, 
<laughs> like you look at Zaveri and be like, oh, right, we don't know if she's nailing it or not. I don't know what her body temperature is supposed to be. Ooh, ooh, no. <laughs> so, but whatever, for whatever reason, 3PO just takes it. And uh, then he tries to just straight up walk from this weird hiding spot they're in right down into the into the casino or whatever. Yeah. But Zaveri pulls him back, which is repeated twice. And then finally, Zaveri's like, fine, I'll just walk you in there, but we can't go from here. This is my hiding spot. Yeah, this is my weird escape route that nobody knows about. Yeah. So she leads them around, and we won't see them again until chapter six. I'm sorry. We're done with that group. Yep, we are done with the, we, the Luke and Han. Yeah, that wheel is spinning hard, my friends. Meanwhile, Tigress is hauling sleepy little Anakin. <laughs> Speaking of just spinning wheels as hard as you possibly can. Okay, so at this point, both of us have become just interminably sick of Tigress. <laughs> Tigress is the goddamned worst character because he is... Okay, if you've seen any anime, you know the character that's like, oh, I wish Senpai would notice me. That's Tigress, and he has no other characterization. No. At least in the anime, they'd be like, I wish Senpai would notice me, and also, I love baking, or... I'm super clumsy or something, but Tigris exists just to go, man, Hethrier sure is great, and I wish I could be Hethrier. I want him to notice me and tell me I'm a good boy. I wish I was either more important or dead. That's all I want in life, and that's it. That's the only thing we get out of him, and he's so boring. And he, they keep, every time, every scene that Tigris is in, we check in on him every, I'd say, three paragraphs, just so we can say it again. Oh, yeah. It's so, like we're having this important meeting with Hethrier, and then it'll just check in with Tigris, and he's like, I'm still here, and I still love Hethrier. Okay, thanks for checking in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good. All right. Good glad, to know you did. Glad didn't. to know that. All right. So he's got Anakin, who is apparently asleep all the time these days. I, I think he's either being kept asleep by just straight-up drugs or maybe by Hethrier's force blocks. I'm I'm almost certain it's, it's force nonsense because when he first gets... Anakin, he like puts him to sleep. Yeah, immediately. True. So he's probably just forced sl sleeping, uh, and then basically Hethrier, I'm sorry, Tigris is just sitting there going like, oh, 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 I, I wish I was important enough to to justify going to a fun meeting with with Lord Hethrier, and that he would notice me. And then I guess he pauses for a few minutes to reflect on Hethrier's decor. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, that'll happen. So it turns out, according to Tigris, who, for the first time ever, is not just thinking about how sad he is, that Hethrier is super wealthy because he received as a personal gift from the Emperor the rights to distribute something called Bodywood. Yeah, he got the rights to distrib distribute Bollywood movies. Yes, he, according to the Emperor when he had a head cold. You got the rights to Bodywood. Yeah, you can distribute Bodywood movie movies. Yep, that's it. And then he sneezed. <laughs> I'm the emperor. Good night. I feel like the wordplay that we're going to have to deal with is really coming soon, though. But but anyway, um, so body wood turns out to be this pale pink wood with red glowing streaks of, like, wood blood that is made out of potentially sentient trees that cry when Hethrier cuts them down. Yeah. The reason I say Hethrier is because the book says that. Yeah, <laughs> Tigris is like, oh, it's rumored that... The trees would cry when Hethrier cut them down. I'm like, what, only him? What, is, it, is it special? Is, it, is Hethrier making them cry? Is he also insulting them when he does it? Or wait, does it, do, they, do they cry when anyone else cuts them down or just Hethrier? Also, why is Hethrier cutting them down? I thought he's more of like a, a lazy leader than like an active give me, a, give me an axe type leader. Oh, yeah. I mean, if the Emperor's like, hey, you've got the rights to this body wood and you can sell that, it's not like he's going to throw on a flannel, get an axe, and head down there. No. So what? what is... Anyway, apparently Hethrier chops it down and makes it cry. We also learned that it uh, 
bleeds still, which, you know, honestly, in, in my that's opinion... That's fine for a sci-fi tree, that it bleeds. Whatever, yeah, I fine. get it. That's fine if the sci-fi tree bleeds. I've got no problem with that. It's just red sap. Who gives a shit, yeah. right? The problem is that it never stops bleeding. And it is still, years later, Tigress's job to clean the blood off it every once in a while, because before it pools on the floor. Which, okay, that means that it is still alive and creating this blood then. Yes. So, what does it eat? Are they feeding his table? Like, what, what do <laughs> we do, do with the body? We wood? just don't clean table scraps. That's all. You just leave them there, and it just gets absorbed just, into this yeah, pink wood. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, if you lean against it too long, you just fall in and are gone. <laughs> but I mean, it, it's such a weird. It's like such a strong argument in favor of just some oak or whatever. You know, like, oh, what do we build this out of? How about wood where we have to clean the blood off it every once in a while? Oh, it's this weird red glow wood that bleeds all over the place. Ooh, you say it glows, so it's gonna be really hard for me to sleep in a room with it in there. Oh yeah, real hard. Also, it smells like blood all the time, and there's blood everywhere. <laughs> well, okay, this would be great if Danzig was in charge of the Empire Reborn. Oh yeah, well, I mean, there's definitely a lot of people out there that are like, I'm fucking metal. I need a bleed table. Fucking <laughs> Nathan explosion. Our table's not bleeding enough. Ugh, guys, we need a, a bloodier table. <laughs> so that's that's Tigress's job is to clean. <laughs> Good news, everyone. I found some body wood. <laughs> Yes, and I am to enjoy is it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Bodywood exists exclusively to be sold to Death Clock. <laughs> well, that's a good idea. They got a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we finally get past the stupid bleeding wood, and we're in Hethmere's meeting chamber, where he is meeting with three people. <laughs> <laughs> you can't tell, but right now, I am bouncing with excitement about Oh, the about excitement this. is radiating through the room, because their names are... Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll start with the simplest one, John. Uh, his name is Lord Knorek. Oh, you oh, mean Snores? Yeah, we decided that it's Soft Seas. And his soft name is, it, they're both Soft Seas, and his name is Lord Snores. Lord Snores. And then go ahead and take one for yourself, John. <laughs> so my very favorite is Lord Kakukuku. So this is spelled Q-A-Q-Q-U-Q-Q-U. Yeah. And we we spent some time while while getting ready to do this episode discussing the pronunciation, and we settled on Lord Kakukuku. Yeah, he is <laughs> Kakukuku. Whenever whenever this Lord shows up, people wake up. That's all it is. He's he's known as the Rooster. Yeah, his his real name is Chanticleer, and he wants to sing. You know, he's the Rooster, and he ain't gonna die. <laughs> and also, he'd like some of this body wood because he's pretty metal. Yeah. And then finally, we've got Lady Yucky. Oh, Lady Yucky. So that's U-C-C-E, which I'm sure someone's going to tell me is supposed to be a sloppy Italian, like, Uche. Show. Yeah, it's supposed to be Uche. But screw you, it's Lady Yucky. Yeah, so we've got, got, <laughs> got Snores, Kakakoo Kakoo, and Ucky. My, my very favorite gathering of people. Oh, man. And also, I guess we could probably just assume that, that the three of them are humans because we are not told otherwise. Yeah, and you can basically tell in any given Star Wars property, if they don't immediately tell you, this is a fill-in-the-blank species, or this person has blank skin with whatever hair, mm -hmm. then you immediately go, oh, it's just humans. Okay. Yeah, they're definitely, especially in this book, because none of them were described as unusually beautiful. It's safe to assume that they're just some boring humans. Yeah, because none of them are hauntingly beautiful. Yes. Then in, it in, doesn't matter. Impossibly willowy, with hair of three colors yet somehow distinct. Ooh, my. <laughs> that, by the way, the three colors of hair yet uh, distinct as a beauty mark, 100% a sign that this book was written in the 90s. Ah! 
Ah, <laughs> oh, yes. He's got black hair with a pink streak, and it goes over one eye. <laughs> and everywhere he walks, so- Sandstorm by Darude can be heard faintly in the distance. <laughs> uh, anyway, they this are... This guy's listening to Good Charlotte nonstop. <laughs> Lady Ucky turns off her letters to Cleo just long enough to comment on the goings-on. <laughs> And other jokes from the Go soundtrack. Thank Yay. you. We'll be here all week. Yes, that movie was from the year 2000. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> the year 2000. <laughs> okay, so it turns out that the three... Well, actually, let's start with what they do. <clears throat> Anakin is in the room. He's being toted around near Hethrier by Tigris. Yeah. And all three of them immediately start making jokes about how young Anakin is. And... I don't think this played the way that Vonda was hoping it would play. <laughs> I just, I'm just going to... Because they're all just like, oh my, Hethrier, another one, and so young this time. I was like, ooh, oh, hey, oh, oh this is oh, not, no. <laughs> not, this is not what I wanted to find out about Hethrier. <laughs> I, I kind of wanted him to pause for a second and be like, all right, yes, I'm an evil emperor, but just, let's be clear, I am not fucking this three-year-old. Let me <laughs> just, just, <laughs> just throw that out there right now. <laughs> By the age of three. <laughs> no dick of mine. <laughs> So, so uh, he has to. He doesn't really do that. So it's left open. It's left unsure whether or not these three are basically generously accusing him of being a child molester. Yeah, we we don't know. <laughs> I assume not. Well, given what happens later, if he was at all angry about that, he probably would have killed them. Yeah. So apparently, he either he's like, ah, oh, nah, they're just having good fun, or he's like, oh yeah, totally, I am a child molester. Good job, <laughs> well caught, sir. <laughs> all of us are. Yes, this is our meeting. <laughs> That's us. The the annual Empire Nambla meeting. So, anyway, Anakin's just going to sleep through all this anyway. He's just here for that one little joke. Basically, Hethrier kind of just confirms that he's going to keep Anakin. He's like, oh, this one pleases me. Oh, this one's mine. I'll definitely be hanging on to it, if you understand. Oh, it's also it for him, by the way. Yeah. Um, Okay. Now, we basically establish that all three of these lords and ladies hold really high positions of power and esteem within the New Republic. They're traitors. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, and you can tell that, they are, that there aren't that many good New Republic traitors, or else he would have been able to pull ones in that have less stupid names. <laughs> cockacoo, cuckoo. <laughs> yes, thank you, Lord Cockacoo, cuckoo. That's, that's, that, no more from you today. <laughs> <laughs> cockacoo, cuckoo. <laughs> yeah, they're just Pokemon. Yeah. Aki, <laughs> Aki. <laughs> Snores. Snores. Oh my gosh. Uh, (laughs) So, okay. Basically, the three of them are people who made a tremendous amount of money under the Empire. Yeah. And they are longing for a return to the glory days under the Empire, enough that they're willing to put up with this crazy, super mean alien uh, becoming the Emperor at such time as when the Empire is reborn. Yeah. Uh, And we mean crazy and super mean because he's about to kill one of them for no reason. Yeah. I mean, spoiler alert, he's about to do the dumbest villain trope that I hate. Yes. Which is just, someone annoyed me slightly, and I will kill them for no reason. Yeah, so, okay, they're all they're also all super terrified of him and very sycophantic. They spend all their time groveling and apologizing and bowing over and over and over again. Yeah. The scene is basically just there to establish that Hethrier is powerful and feared. Yes. Uh, and also that Tigris really wishes that Hethrier would notice him <laughs> and elevate him to the rank of, of Proctor or even simply Helper with their rust-colored tunics. Or perhaps someday he could be a member of the Empire Reborn and the Empire Youth with their palest blue tunics and their silver lightsabers that indicate their status. Ah, yes. And then he looked over at Hethrier and Hethrier had little sparkles and he looked down and he was just like, 
oh, senpai. Yeah. So it, to me, it doesn't read as anime, but that's just because I haven't watched all that much anime. To me, it reads as like whenever you read one of those fetish th- uh, like blog posts where someone's like, I wish I could replace my hands with real steel hooks. <laughs> the, 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 the kind that are, the, 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 and then they have like a huge long descriptor. Hooks that were in the movie, real steel. <laughs> But the thing is, it's part of this whole, the, the fetish culture where it's not enough to just say, oh, I want hooks for hands, but you have to know all the shit about the specific hooks. And every time you mention them, you have to say all that shit again. Yeah. That's what it is for Hethrier. Every time he starts talking, he's like, the rust-colored tunics of the helpers. And you're like, yeah, we all know what fucking color tunic helpers have now. Everyone knows that, Hethrier. Every single tigress. person, in, tigress, every single person in the world knows. Yeah. I'm sorry. They just look similar. <laughs> Racist. It's very obvious that they're, they are related. Oh. All right. So anyway. Here's what is happening, because everyone's so curious. This is such a weird thing. So, Hethrir is getting ready to un- unveil the Empire Reborn. To do so, he's going to go to Cersei Station and treat with Waru. So, we're, we have a connection between what's going on with these people and with Han and Luke and stuff. Yeah, which yeah. is interesting, because I was... Man, there was a point where I'm like, are they... Is this just a separate story? Like, is it going to be... Leia trying to get her kids, and then off in the distance somewhere, Luke's fucking around. I mean, just to be clear, that happens all the time in these books, where they want to have Han, Luke, and Leia in these stories, but there isn't a whole story that involves all three of them, so they just write a second Han story or whatever and put it in the margins. Well, I have to assume that they were like, look, if you're writing a Star Wars book, you have to include the main characters. Yes. And if you're like, my story doesn't include, you know... Leia doing anything like well come up with a fucking Leia B plot yeah because I don't care oh she's meeting with some bothans it doesn't matter just have it in there yeah so okay he's gonna go to meet with Waru and when he goes to Waru there's these children he has and every member of his organization is going to want a child to give to Waru a force sensitive child apparently and so he has brought in these three rich people so they can bid for distribution rights specifically for the children that were culled in the last chapter, the ones who weren't like Lusa, the ones who weren't good enough. Yeah. So they are going to be given to Waru, which apparently, we don't know yet, but apparently is a really good thing for someone to do. Like, you get rewards if you give Waru a a Force kid. Yeah, so they're like, all right, uh, we're bidding for the rights to give to these... distribute these children. Yes, and Hithru does note that one of the whoever wins the bidding will also get uh, Chamberlain Ion's Wirewolf for free. Yeah, also you get this dumb dog. You get this six-legged dog that uh, once again is described as ugly. Yeah. I poor Wirewolves. They must be really gross looking because at this point that's outside confirmation for beyond Princess Leia that Wirewolves are unpleasant. Nah, it's just two different races. It's just a couple of Okay, it's fine. There's plenty of races in the Star Wars world. Uh so, okay, he, he names a price, and in keeping with Star Wars tradition, we don't get to know what that price is. It's some price that is remarkably high. So remarkably high that Lord Snores goes, Snores. Yeah. Snores. Oh, uh, my lord. Snores, my lord. Yes. <laughs> Come play Ebony, Snores, my lord. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, the, the fact that he's like, man, that's, that's a lot of money. And then he forgets to give the honorific for, like, a hot second. He's just like, wow, that's a lot, uh, my lord. And then that's why Hethrir motherfucking murders him? Yeah, just force murders him. Gives him a good old force choke and just murders him. And then some Empire youth come in and drag him out, and that's the end of that. Yeah, like, he tries to backpedal as hard as possible. Because he's like, oh, but I, I mean, I would definitely pay it. Obviously, that is a thing I would do. It just seems a lot. I'm just worried about... Seeing the new empire, oh, I mean, let's th- let's think about this. It, this is a terrible idea 
because these are secret traitors. They're not people who already like work for you in your organization. Yeah. You've just created a hole somewhere. Some planet is missing a rich, important dimwit, which even if that planet is like, uh, whatever, uh, he must have died somewhere. We don't know where he went off to. Okay. Sure. If nothing leads back to you, that's fine. But what you've done is you've you've sent a message to every other person that might be a traitor that you have to be as sycophantic and stupid as possible, or I might kill you for no reason. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, I don't really want to get involved with that guy is what's going to happen. And also, that guy was about to bid on money or bid on these children and then pay you even if he didn't win the bid. Yeah. You were about to get a bunch of money off of this idiot, and now you get nothing. You could have killed him after you got the money. Yeah, just wait until he puts credits into your account and then be like, great, now I have no use for you. Incidentally, you forgot to say my lord earlier, I'm killing you. Anyway, this is, this is for a very dumb slight, and I don't care. It's just a stupid trope where he's killing off his own people. Vader could get away with this, right? Because those dudes worked for Vader. Like, if, someone, if Vader killed off, like, Nita or whatever, it was like, who cares? It, it's one of his generals or something. It's also, fine. The reason he would do it, I mean, again, it's stupid, failed. but they had failed to do something. Like, yes. I gave you a task. You didn't do it, and now I kill you. Whereas this was just like, oh, you accidentally slipped up in your language once. You're like, well, fuck you. Who cares? Yeah. I, mean, I could get this if it was Hethrier has not been established as being in charge, and he's trying to do that, it's my first day in prison, I need to kick someone's ass thing. Yeah, but this is three pages of bowing later that he does this. Yeah. They all are already terrified of him. They're all already on board with the new Empire. Mm-hmm. He's got a bunch of sycophantic servants, and he's just sort of murdering them. I mean, I'm okay with it, because it might be that the book's just establishing that, that Hethrier is a big dummy. Yeah. And that's fine. All right, so, okay. But I mean, when even Shizor was like, oh, someone was an asshole to me, but I'm just going to use that for my benefit instead of kill them. Yeah. I'm like, man, when even Shizor's better at this shit than you are, Hethrier, there's problems here. <laughs> that's true. I mean, Shizor at least was after adult women to to molest. <laughs> I mean, ultimately, I think we're establishing that Shizor is way more interesting, but Hethrier is like just a worse person. Yeah, Hethrier is somehow just, just dumb. Yeah, he's just dumb and bad. Just unpleasant in general. It's it. Uh, so Hethrier starts the bidding, and the two people bid, the two survivors bid, and ev- eventually the winner is Lady Ucky. Yeah. So Lady Ucky wins, and then Hethrier kind of does some eyebrow raising so that they both agree that they need to pay even more money than Oh yeah, because he's like, oh well, you know the new empire is coming and certainly people who give a donation to that will be looked upon favorably, wink wink. Yeah, and you know, they both give a bunch more money and then he celebrates by having an empire youth come in in his pale blue robe, (laughs) elevated from the status of the rust-colored tunics of the helpers (laughs) because again, this is done through Tigris's point of view uh he's got three wine glasses and uh uh, ucky and and hethrier get wine poured by the empire youth but then the empire youth in his pale blue robe gets a uh a jumpsuit actually gets a glass of wine poured for him by hethrier yeah he gets the third glass and lord just gets to sit and watch yeah he has to watch and be sad from the sidelines and and uh and that's the end of this chapter meanwhile off in space i guess maybe later off in space yeah uh, Leia has actually managed to investigate by boarding one of the three huge or one of the massive huge colony ships. Yep. And is just walking around like, oh, man, the power is 
basically like non-existent here. Everything's all fucked up. I like that when she gets out. That that uh, this is another bit I actually enjoy. Was R two realizing that the the ship had really crappy gravity because he tries to go and then he just sort of sails forward. Yeah, if he tries to wall. move too quickly, yeah, then his forward momentum just shoots him forward. Yeah, and he bonks into walls and stuff. And I was like, oh, that's fun. That's a neat description of R two flying around in a, in a, in a uh, low grav environment and then getting upset about it. And then Chewbacca comes out with his bowcaster, which Leia has to respond to by going, I hate that I've left the ship completely unguarded, and only my servant cleaning droids on the ship are less there to try and rescue us if anything goes wrong, but I couldn't convince this droid or dog to stay on the ship, and I'm certainly not going to stay on the ship. <laughs> I'm like, no, stay on the ship. Remember you're a head of state? No, remember, remember how you don't need to be here? You're just trying to figure out what's going on. Sending the droid and Chewbacca to do it is fine. God, Kirk, remember you don't have to go on every away mission. That's why you have a first-in-command. Nope. <laughs> so, but anyway, she goes with all these, uh, her stupid team she can't talk to anyway, and they start investigating the ship, and they find massive banks of cryo-freezer cryo turbs. <laughs> yeah. Fryo-creaser turbs. Oh, these fryo-creasers. I, I should not have sp tried to speak today. No. Nah. It wasn't a good day for me to talk. Not, not a good speaking day. Cryo-freezing tubes, but the most of which are broken. Yeah, they, they find that a lot of them have uh, either malfunctioned or didn't get enough power, so several people have died, but she does find one that is still functioning, and she sets it to defrost, and then walks the fuck away. Yeah, she doesn't wait for this dude to wake up. She, like, hits the wake-up button and is like, good enough, I'm out, I'm leaving. So she I, also just I just want this guy to wake up in a weird, cold, dead station surrounded by the corpses of his fellow man, alone and afraid. And then have him come find us in another room, you know, at his discretion. That'll be fun for him. Anyway, good day, sir. She does take a minute to look at him, and of course he's another Ferrari, because all of these people are from the planet Ferrari. Yeah. And he is, wouldn't you know it, unbelievably pretty. So unbelievably pretty. Oh, so pretty, with his brown, beautiful, curly hair that goes all the way down the sides of his face like sideburns, and, and ultimately I feel like all of these people just sort of look like super sexy, Bichonin versions of the Cowardly Lion. <laughs> ah! <laughs> so, because that's basically what we're, what's described here. Um, she leaves him, and then she goes off to investigate like the, the command consoles for the ship. Yeah, she's like, let's see if we can fix the power here. Yeah. While she's doing that, she realizes, oh, shoot, I left that dude on defrost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, Chewbacca manages to fix the power. Yeah. He's like, all right, let's get this shit started up, and, you know, the lights come on, and everything starts whirring. But then she's like, oh, yeah, I better, better go check on that guy. So she turns to leave, and wouldn't you know it, she walks right up to a spider web that descended from the ceiling made of weird silk and metal super strands of evil stuff that are keeping an alive Ferrario suspended off the ground by her own meat. I, okay, I did not understand what the fuck was going on when I was reading this chapter because I'm like, okay, so this person isn't in a, like, cryopod. No, they're just no. out. They're out, so, and they're trapped in, like, an evil spider web. So have they been in this evil spider web from the start of this mission? Like, were they just going to be tortured the whole way? Well, no, I mean, we know that, that Hethrier came here. We know that, that the ship that, that the children were kidnapped in stopped here and then left off for somewhere else. So I don't think she's been there for 20 years or whatever, but she certainly is there now. Yeah, but that means, like, someone came in here. Hethrier. Well, we don't know that. It could have been anyone. It's economy of scale in a book about Star Wars, John. Well, yeah, if they true. introduced any one character, then he did it. Yeah, but, I mean, just... Putting that aside, it means 
for Leia, someone came into this ship, unfroze somebody, put him into a weird, dumb razor spider web, and just left. Yes, that's what happened. So they find her, and she is so in pain and so weak that she can't really address them. She can just sort of look at them. Now, the the weird spider web thing is anytime one of them tries to help, the weird spider web apparently like grows and tries to encompass them as well. So yes. like R2 sticks his little uh, robo dick into the circuits and tries to turn it off, but then spider webs come out of the circuits. Yeah, and try to get him, and he just sort of leaps backwards because I guess R2-D2 does that now. Well, he, he did the whole... Uh, thing that we've established, which is if he moves too fast, he flies in that direction. Yeah, so he flies away and breaks the webs. It's not like they could cut into him all that good anyway. He's a droid. But that that makes me wonder, was this a part of the ship? Did they have a spiderweb room? And if so, who designs your spiderweb room where it comes through the fucking console? Yeah, that is kind of weird. Is this thing infected with evil alien spiderwebs? Yeah, because I was it like, does, this it, doesn't seem like it's something that would be on a colony ship. It, it seems like a weird... like odd trap or something it does describe this as very obviously a torture room like this room was for torture which is like i i I don't know why a colony ship would need a torture room but maybe there's something we don't know yet like at this point i'm starting to think that hathweer sold his people out and that's why he's all rich and powerful and shit and like the emperor liked him even though he's a gross alien i mean maybe the emperor was into him because he was super beautiful i don't know probably but but in in any event um I think Hathweer sold these people out, so maybe these aren't colony ships. Maybe these are torture ships. Who knows? But whatever. We don't know. It just looks weird when they encounter it. And then, wouldn't you know it, the dude she woke up just sort of appears in the doorway, and we get our first introduction to how Ferrario that aren't Hathweer and Tigris talk. Which is basically assholes? They are, like, super tribally focused, very, uh, not honor-based, but debt-based. And they're all about, like, their clan. Yes. Because... He's like, oh, that's a uh, Rilau. I do not Rial. mind. No, she's because he, he's like, I don't mind telling you her name. That is Rial. We don't know. She has a her name is spelled R I L L A O. Yeah, I don't uh, know if that's the Spanish double L. It might be the Welsh double L. Or I don't know. I I have no idea how you would pronounce a Welsh double L. Rial. But I assume it's oh. yeah, it's Rial. Yeah, something like that. I don't know. Come at me, Welsh people. Whatever, Welsh people. Your language is stupid. Yeah. Thanks for Doctor Who and nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> and guess what? I don't even like Doctor Who. Oh, sad. <laughs> I do. I like Doctor I, Who. It's, it's a hole in my nerd library. I just don't care for it. I've tried watching a few episodes, and I'm always like, eh. It's great. It's uh, great, and I love it. Okay, fair enough. So, uh, he basically, Leia... <laughs> All right, John. Let me let me float something past you here. You okay. tell me. You tell me if my characterization of Leia's diplomatic capabilities is right. Great. All right. Okay. Leia is a is a Dungeons and Dragons or other role playing game character who has sunk a tremendous number of points into diplomacy. So you know she's super good at it because good things are always happening for her. Yeah. However, the game she's in, the dungeon master insists that she role play the diplomacy every single time, and she's terrible at it. Yes. So she looks like a total idiot, but then she always gets what she wants anyway because she finally gets around to rolling the dice. Yeah, the the DM's like, all right, well, tell me what you say, and then has her roll. Yeah. So she's just like, uh... Uh, I'm, I'm an ambassador, and you should tell me your name. My name's Lily. Oh, we gotta talk about this. She's like, I don't want him to know who I am. This person who's been trapped on a colony ship for at least twenty years, so six years longer than Alderon's been blown up. Oh yeah. Well, I can't tell him the name of my ship is Alderon. Like, 
Fucking why? What's why? he gonna do? Go? Oh, that's maybe a planet I've heard of. Oh, Alderaan. How are they doing? How's, how's that planet? Hey, how's uh, how's uh, Senator Bail Organa? I've heard about him. Seems like a good guy. I already had some sort of kid. Don't know the name though. Yeah, because I don't give a fuck. Because it's been twenty years. I've been frozen on this ship, and everything you think you're hiding from me, I don't know about. Yeah, she is so worried about like, oh, I can't <laughs> give my real name to this guy. I'm like, this guy has. At bare minimum, never heard of you. And if he has, doesn't give a fuck. So she gives him a fake name, and she's like, well, I do not mind telling you my own name. My name is... Lilia. Lilila. Lilia. Lilia. Sergeant Lee Lemon, sir. I'm... I'm. Here it comes. This is my compatriot... Gay Ahab. G-E-Y-Y Ahab. <laughs> this is my companion, Gay Ahab. <laughs> and it says that Chewbacca gives her a quizzical look, because I have to imagine he's just like, the fuck did you just say? What? <laughs> Hold on. Why? Like, even if you think maybe because you are a princess, he may have heard of Leia before. There is a 0% chance this random asshole has heard the name Chewbacca. The fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> so she calls him Gay Ahab, which is the only other Wookiee name she knows, a name from a children's book that she has read the children on occasion. Yeah. It's a character from Wookiee mythology. Presumably, he hunted the gay white whale of, uh, of Kashyyyk. Yeah, I mean, at this point, it's basically like, oh, I just picked a name from Wookiee mythology, which is like... I show up and my it was like, oh, my name is Jalalin, and this is my compatriot Hercules. <laughs> like, what? Hi, I'm Jelf, and of course, this is my good friend, um, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. <laughs> uh, like, that's way more conspicuous if you're like, oh, I used a weird Wookiee name from mythology than if you just went, this dude's Chewbacca. Well, also, you, Chewbacca responds by straight up just dead silent staring at Leia. It's almost like this is an improv scene and she had given him, like, she was the first one to say something and she gave him a terrible prompt. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it basically is like, oh, thank you. I, I came to the party and this is my good friend, Gay Ahab. What? <laughs> what? How am I? Uh, R, I hate that whale, but I loves me some Queequeg. <laughs> Let me describe the gay scene in Nantucket for a chapter and a half. <laughs> yeah, like, it's just just insanity. Why do I give Ahab an old-timey pirate? Yar! Yar, I, I am a I be Ahab. Shouldn't he talk more like a, isn't he a Puritan or something? Something like that. Yeah, I think he should probably be talking like like uh, a person from Maine now. Yeah, he'd be like, oh, yeah. I, yeah. yeah, I'm going to hunt the white whale, English. <laughs> Sometimes dead's better. <laughs> In the in particular, the case of the whale. Yeah. All right then. <laughs> yeah. But instead, <laughs> nar I be Ahab. Nar, I'm from Maine. <laughs> Maybe that's just what gay Ahab sounds like. Yeah, that's what gay Ahab is. <laughs> He's <Regular>. very camp. <laughs> I'm from the gay pirate section of Maine. <laughs> Bigger than you'd think. <laughs> so am I. Arr. You can find me in Bangor. Uh, <laughs> wink. <laughs> I don't, maybe he's British. I have no idea what Ahab actually is. When was the last time you read Moby Dick? Uh, never. Because <laughs> so. I was in the shittiest English class ever where we watched Moby Dick. <laughs> Thanks, <So>. coach. <laughs> That's great. All right. So 
So anyway, she tells him that her name is Lalila and that Chewbacca's name is Gay Ahab. <laughs> and then he's just like, yeah, I'm not telling you shit. I'm not talking. That was, no. I, I don't know why I'm, you decided to do that. I'm surprised he doesn't just turn on a heel and walk out of the room. <laughs> like, Chewbacca gives her a look, he gives her a look, and they're like, well, if you're not going to take this seriously, I'm just going to leave. <laughs> I'll be on the ship. God, gay Ahab. <laughs> just muttering to himself as he walks off, gay Ahab. Fucking what is this shit? <laughs> so, anyway, this dude will never give her his name, but he does tell her who Rilau is. Basically, he's like, well, I know who that is. That's Rilau, and she's a traitor. And then Leia starts up her high-grade diplomacy. Will you help me help her? No, I don't owe her anything. If I pay you money, will you owe me and then help me help her? No, I have no use for money. I'm trapped on a prison ship. Ah, if I get you off the prison ship, will you owe me and then help me help her? I don't want you to help me get off the prison ship because then I'd owe you. <laughs> and it just goes on like that for a while until finally she's like, I'll grant you freedom. And he's like, all right, fine. And he presses like the no webs button and the webs go away. Yeah, <laughs> he presses that button to turn off no doubt. And all of a sudden she's <laughs> no longer walking through spider webs. <laughs> yeah, uh, but you know, we'll, we'll have to leave a message on this scene because it's over. <laughs> hey. Okay, so meanwhile, one more meanwhile. The the very end of this in the most boring, shitty thing we can do. It's which a little is, coda. Just check in with Jaina. Jaina, the worst part of this book. Oh, she's not the worst part of this book. Tigress is the worst part well, of this book. Well, that's true. Uh, okay, and Hethrier is the other worst part of this book. Well, I say Jaina is the worst part, but I mean basically that section. Yeah. The, the, the entire Hethrier section is bad. So now that Vram has been, has been elevated to the rank of a helper, which means he's wearing the rust colored tunic of a helper. Get fucked. <laughs> he's, he's basically supervising her as she tries to learn some stuff on, on Hethrier's class machines. And she is just crying and she's crying and refusing. Basically. She's just being five. Yeah. She's like, no, you took my friend away and I'm sad. Yeah. So, so Vram gets mad at her or sort of, he mostly is just happy that she's going to get punished. Yeah. Vram's just like, yo, you got to learn this stuff because Hethrier said, yeah. no, this is dumb. This is wrong. You don't get dinner and it goes in your permanent record. Uh. And then she kicks him, which is good. Finally, someone takes takes something out on Vram. But then she gets thrown in her little room. Yeah. and so by, the, she, by, by the way, she gets thrown in by the Proctors in their pale blue uniforms. You can't see, but I'm flipping Jeff off. So, I can see. <laughs> I know. Yeah, she's in her room and she gets her little multi-tool out and she keeps fucking around with the uh the door because she's like oh eventually maybe i'll get like a little hole in here though i don't know what i would do if i escaped because what the fuck i'm five well she spends a lot of time thinking about it she's like well i could run off into the desert but maybe that dragon would eat me but maybe it wouldn't or i, I could steal a ship but i don't know where to go yeah oh, i could try and send a message out but what am i going to do with that yeah so she's just basically like thinking to herself and then she goes wait a minute maybe if i use really small force then i won't get noticed by hethrier's evil force blanket yeah she's like well maybe i can use the force if i don't like really use the force so she starts molecule manning her way out of this situation she 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 eats a gross old cheeseburger from miles morales's pocket ah! That's the last thing I read with Molecule Man in it. Oh, that's weird, because the last thing I remember of Molecule Man is him basically becoming a god. Yeah, he's a god in the scene where he eats a cheeseburger. Oh, good. So, anyway, um, she realizes that if she does little tiny applications of, like, one moat of, of air at a time, that Hethrier doesn't notice. Yeah, because she's not applying a large amount of force, so his ability to, like, detect it, I guess it just doesn't ping on his radar. Yeah. So she starts lighting up little molecules of, of air, one at a time, and vibrating them so they generate heat, until she eventually has a little orange ball of heated air that she can control. And she's laughing and cackling to herself with glee because she figured that shit out. The end. That's the end of the chapter. Great. 
So there we go. We got a whole bunch, a whole new cast of awesome characters here, John. <laughs> who, do you, who do you think is your favorite? Oh, my favorite is definitely Lord Cockacoo-Cacoo. Yeah, it's probably also, it's either Lord Cockacoo-Cacoo or my new best friend, Gay Ahab. <laughs> Gay Ahab. <laughs> Gay Ahab. Yum. Put them together and what do you get? <laughs> gay Ahab construction set. Gay, gay Ahab. <laughs> All right. Fuck you, Leia. God damn it. Every time Leia opens her mouth, I'm just like, what is wrong with you? I mean, let's be fair to this storyline. It's probably supposed to be Gay Ahab, and it's supposed to be some kind of Wookiee name. Yeah. But- Although, again, there's never been a Wookiee name that sounds like something a Wookiee would say. Oh, I know. If, if Chewbacca's name was in Wookiee or Shri Wook, it would be just, you know, rah. Yeah, but, but no, we, we can't say that. Luckily, I mean, if he wanted to say his own name, it'd be like, rah, 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 <laughs> which is like you just <laughs> took a dog on a fucking stupid animal tricks on Letterman. Like, look, my dog can say Chewbacca. Rah, rah, rah. <laughs> yes, that's great. Coming up next on our really big show. <laughs> this dog can say its own name. Go. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, why did it have to be Letterman? I could do impressions of every fi- stand-up person but Letterman. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> all right. Well, anyway, uh, we'll see you in the next chapter, I guess, because that's all. we really had to jump around the universe for this one. Yeah, I mean, it's back to the old style of just jumping with little small cuts <laughs> to the different Just pimbly from tree to tree. Yep. <laughs> jumping around, drinking saucer of milk. And... <laughs> it's good. Do you know how fast Meow we're going? <laughs> All right, Meow. You know why I pulled you over? <laughs> you know that, that sequel's supposed to be coming out any day now. Supposed to be. Yeah, that seems to be taking quite some time. It's been in the works. Yeah, yeah. Come on, Broken Lizard. You made one good movie. Oh, two. I like three. Beer. Three. What, do you, what, do you, what are your three good ones? Well, there was uh, Club Dread. You like Club Dread? I, wasn't, I do. I wasn't a huge Club Dread guy. It wasn't uh, on my list, but I'm, I'm okay with that. That's fine. Oh, I liked it. I mean, it was a good horror send-up, so I enjoyed it. Oh, fair enough, because it's a horror. Yeah, yeah. Okay, now I understand. Yeah. Uh, see, I was going to go with, of course, Super Troopers, and then I also have a soft spot for Beer Fest. And then also Slammin' Salmon. Oh, Slammin' Salmon didn't do anything for me. No, I, I've never been able to watch all of it. I've only ever caught bits and pieces. Yeah. But Beer Fest has some legitimate good jokes up in there. True facts. Yeah. The the introduction of, of uh, what's his fate, like Dump Truck or whatever his name is, his brother, who's the exact same guy, Yeah, was the best bit of humor in a while. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> we won't even have that awkward period where we have to get to know each other. <laughs> All right, so uh, that's it for this week. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, concerns about uh, Gay Ahab or Lady Ucky. Anything then, you want to know, then, just let us know. <laughs> just uh, you know, send us an email or, or a tweet or something. You can find us as System Mastery on Facebook, Gmail, Reddit, Twitter, all those kinds of places. All that shit. Yeah, find our podcast at our website, SystemMasteryPodcast.com. Or at the moment, because I fucked up on how to work uh, on how to build websites, Jeff and Florence Baby because <laughs> I thought I could use that for uh, for a second website, but it turns out that all the domain names I buy just point to the header, and I don't know how to turn that off. So, uh, <laughs> so for the moment, Jeff and Florence Baby will g- will bring you directly to our website, so you can uh, you can visit us and say hi and stuff. Wow. I, I wish Good. it wasn't. I wish that wasn't true. Good job. Cost, Way to it, be. It cost me forty dollars to figure that out. Uh, so, excellent. All right. Uh, as always, I've been Jeff. That's John. If you like what we've been doing, you can support us at our Patreon, which thankfully is still at Patreon.com/slash/SystemMastery. <laughs> Has nothing to do with baby showers. But please stop on by and give us a dollar to keep us afloat. Help us keep doing this stuff. This uh, fun stuff.
Yep. Uh, that lets us do this weekly, and of course, uh, lets us do all of our many fine other shows, System Mastery, Movie Mastery, all of our various and sundry projects we've got coming up, and you get bonus content for System Mastery. Yeah, you do. So stop on by. Give us a dollar. Lord knows we need it. I, I need to be having a baby shower real soon, as it turns out. And you done fucked up $40 <laughs> worth of that already, so <laughs> good job. I think I can fix that, I'm not, <laughs> although I'm not sure how yet. So if anyone knows how to fix that, let me know. It's on the online WordPress. Thank you. Uh, otherwise, until next time, I've been <laughs> Lord Cockacoo-Cacoo, and I love children. <laughs> Wait, no, I hate all that. Hold on. <laughs> I'm Lance Lisbagano, and I hate death sticks. Love death sticks. Love them. Love on. death sticks. <laughs> I'm Lord Snores, and I love Elance Lisbagano. <laughs> I'm Lady Ucky. <laughs> Lady Ucky. Lady Ucky. <laughs> this would be great if Danzig was in charge of the Empire Reborn. I got a yum nub for you. I hate dogs and Chewbacca's. You sent my jackhammer to kill. <laughs>